0: I can't. I just can't resist this one. But we're, we're going to need to move on. But you talk about tyranny, and uh, uh, a lot of people were very afraid that that Donald Trump was um, going to uh, to be a, become a tyrant, an authoritarian, um, by claiming that the elections were fraudulent and that he really deserved to stay in power. And uh, you know, not the, the will of the people through the elections didn't count because it was fraudulent, even though there wasn't strong evidence of any fraud. So uh, as a Democrat, that's a tyranny that I fear. Okay. So well, that's, I guess that's 100% of it. I uh,
1: think, I think, I think you should, uh, I agree. That's, that's something you should fear. I think everyone should fear th- uh, that sort of tyranny as well as the, the tyranny that comes from altruism. Uh, you know, okay. C.S. Lewis has a great quote on that where he says, you know, the, the do-gooders uh, they may think, you know, basically, he, he, to paraphrase, because I'm going to butcher his quote. You know, they, they may think uh, they are doing good for other people by you know by and they're actually harming them. And maybe they'll get to heaven, but they will make a hell on earth in the meantime. And that's what I well, fear is the altruistic tyr- tyranny. You are listening to the Alex Spicer Show, where we like to focus on God, family, freedom, and religion, and discuss the true principles that ensure our happiness and our success in light of current and historical events. Welcome back to the Alex Spicer Show. This is a fun episode, and you're going to enjoy it. I know you will. For those of you who are kind of coming in here and missed the last episode, I was speaking with Donna from Braver Angels. And Braver Angels is is an organization that allows people, it connects people from different sides of the political aisle to have conversations with one another and to listen to one another. It's a very good, safe environment, and it is relationship building. And that is the hope behind all all of this, is that we build relationships together. And that happened for me. I feel like I have a great relationship with Donna, and I really look forward to staying connected with her. And I really appreciate uh, the respectfulness uh, that this sort of conversation format creates. Uh, It is very encouraging. Please go to braverangels.org to uh, support their cause. Get involved to do participate in these conversations. I say this conversation, I enjoyed it even better than the last. And that is because I finally felt subconsciously and consciously more at ease and and free to share my thoughts and feelings. Because before subconsciously, I was held back. I realized, yeah, I wanted to do this conversation, but I was actually afraid to share with what I was thinking. And in this conversation, we really are forced to share it straight out. We had to focus on two topics and it, it was really good. We focused on climate change and COVID-19. Now I have come to really appreciate Donna's perspective and experiences. And I believe there is so much more uh, of that. I can appreciate more and even more. I could find a uh, common ground with, uh, the more I could speak with her. But even in the short amount of time I've had with Donna, it's been wonderful. I hope that you can appreciate it as well and please uh, support people like Donna and this organization who are being so brave and go be brave yourself, do this. Without further ado, here is this episode, here we go. Thank you so much Donna for coming on here. I'm actually really excited for this part. Um, I do have to admit, if you if um, and I assume you got to hear the the full episode, my intro part there explaining a little more uh, honestly and thoroughly that I was really nervous uh, it, or at least reserved. And I didn't expect to be. I was excited, but yet um, nervous or, or not nervous. But, you know, you, you don't realize just how uh, closed off you are to really sharing what you think and feel about things until you're in a situation where you're invited to do so. And. You were very inviting and very kind and, and uh, easy to talk to. I just realized that you know I was I was not very good at opening up and so I really hope to open up a whole lot better in this one and because uh, I know this is a, this is a great conversation. You're a great person and you'll you will listen to me and I will listen to you. So I'm gonna do my best to, to be better about opening up <laughs> about my thoughts, uh, especially because we kind of have to uh, in this point. But let's uh, let's start off here. Um, We're going to go over the goals and ground rules again for those of you who are listening. This is important. It's a good reminder for us, and it's a good reminder for you. That way you understand why we approach our conversation like we do. So go ahead, Donna. You want to start off with the goals?
0: Absolutely. Uh, Here are the goals of the conversation. One, gain more understanding of the experiences, feelings, and beliefs of someone who differs with you in today's politically polarized environment. And two, discover any areas of commonality in addition to differences.
1: And i just want to say i love how it says and gain more understanding of and it says experiences and feelings not just beliefs right like, like mm-hmm. there are there are feelings there um ground rules here first is we're here to explain our views and to understand the other person not to convince the other person to change their mind the other rule is we are here as individuals let's not assume the other person holds any particular views of a political party or a political leader Unless they say they do. Three, we're going to describe our own views and avoid characterizing the views of the other person in terms they don't use themselves. In other words, no applying our own labels to the other person's positions. Fourth rule is we're going to stick to the process for each stage of the conversation. For example, if uh, if the example is what we each learned about the other's uh, other person, uh, or excuse me, about how the other person sees an issue. That's all we do. Then we then even if it means resisting the urge to correct the other person's obvious mistake, (laughs) you know, yeah, because we always feel like, oh, it's obviously Um, we give each other permission gently to remind each other uh, if we
0: veer off from the process. Okay, wonderful. So the first thing it asks us to do is um, do we have any reflections from the first conversation or thoughts since then? Um, one person at a time, about three minutes. Of course, you already did provide some reflections. Are there any other reflections that you'd like to provide about the first conversation?
1: Just that um, I I felt like I was most surprised to hear uh, you f- hear you express complimentary things about our nation. When I typically have conversations with people, and, and I said in the past uh, or said before that they have often been argumentative or, or more hostile situations, I don't often hear any good sentiments said about about America, and that was actually surprising to me. And, and I really enjoyed it. It was it was very encouraging to hear, and also it was encouraging to hear uh, similar uh, similar ideas about us about a particular topic. But that, but then, but then, obviously, we have different takes on on where we go from there. But that was still really cool to see. Like, oh, we, we kind of have the same feeling around around <laughs> a certain thing.
0: We we do. We both love our country. I think, and uh, that's that's why we do this. That's why you have your podcast. Why I'm involved in Braver Angels. We love America, and we we have signs uh, that we uh, you can buy for five dollars each if you want. It's a picture, uh, kind of st- uh, stylized version of the American flag. And then it says, hold America together. We call them hat signs, H-A-T, hold America together. Oh and uh, you know, I put that in my front yard. We encourage people to have their pictures taken with these signs at iconic uh, American locations. So I had a photo taken of my hat sign uh, at the Civil War battlefield, the Battle of Bull Run uh, in wow. Manassas, which is near where I live. Uh, to remind us of what happened the last time we just could not uh, get together and had this uh, horrible political disagreement that turned bloody. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love that. And, and that's that's a great reminder. Um, you said that that is found on the Braver Angels website. Is that right?
0: You can buy on the very first page of the website. If you scroll down, you see where you can purchase one of those signs for $5. Yep. That's awesome.
1: I, I, I'm just trying to make sure that is made very clear. Cause I think that is a great way to support your, uh, the organization Braver Angels. Um, yeah, <laughs> a little plug there. Thank so you. it looks like, um, sorry, if, if you were done here, I guess we could, we can roll on to sharing a, a topic uh,
0: oh, yes. of an issue that's important to us. Is that, is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So do you mind if I read that? Please do. The the overview, in this conversation, you will alternate talking about an issue you each care a lot about while the other person listens. Then the listener offers their own view of the same issue. Ideally, you each pick a different issue, which we have. The goal is clarification of viewpoints and understanding of differences, along with discovering whether there are any areas of agreement. Uh, So, again, as we said last time around, this is different than a regular conversation because one person is just going to talk for four minutes no crosstalk, they get to, to say their piece for four minutes. So that will happen. And then the other person will then give their views on the same talk topic for four minutes. And then after that, we'll have a back and forth, okay?
1: Okay. I, I want to apologize in advance to listeners and to you, Donna. Uh, if you hear me typing, it's because I'm trying to type down commonality points and other things I enjoy about what you're listening to. Because when I get into uh, conversations, as you observed last time, sometimes I might freeze up and be like, "Oh my goodness, I don't even remember," (laughs) and I I don't want to avoid that this time. So if you hear me typing, that's just because I'm trying to ensure I don't I don't forget points that I find, you know, worth sharing. Being like, "Oh, I love that you said this." Oh, nice, nice. Okay, who would like to begin? I. Honestly, I would love to have a master like you start start uh, because I feel like <laughs> when I when I hear you be so willing to open up and share with me, like I said, uh, it, I I'm still working on being more open.
0: Um, it'll give me it'll make me feel more comfortable with also opening up. Is that okay? Is that fair? Okay, okay. Let's get to it. So the issue that concerns me most is climate change. This news just keeps getting worse and worse. July was Planet Earth's hottest month on record. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or the IPCC, just issued its sixth report. The United Nations called this report a Code Red for Humanity. You may be aware that in the U.S., 97 current forest fighters in 12 western states have burned 2 million acres, with California experiencing its two largest fires ever in 2020 and 2021. The warming oceans are causing hurricanes to become more intense, Hurricane Harvey, which struck Houston, was a category four, while Hurricane Maria that hit Puerto Rico was a category five. The Gulf Stream brings warm waters from the Gulf of Mexico to the Eastern United States and to Europe. That water cools, evaporates, and becomes saltier, which causes it to sink to the bottom of the ocean and return back south, where it heats up again in a system that looks like an above and below water conveyor belt. Now the ocean is becoming warmer in the north and fresh water from melting ice sheets makes the water less salty. The conveyor belt is becoming unstable and scientists are worried that it could actually shut down, causing chaos. In faraway Siberia, forest fires are now burning that are larger in size than all the other fires in the world combined. Also, we've known that permafrost wetlands are melting and releasing methane, but now scientists have discovered that the limestone is also melting and releasing methane. This is terrible. In light of all this awful news, however, there is reason for hope. Few people anymore deny that human activity is causing climate change. In most places, the power from new renewable energy is now cheaper than that for new fossil fuel energy. Fossil fuel pollution, especially in the form of carbon dioxide that helps cause climate change, is a negative byproduct or externality of fossil fuel production. Fossil fuel producers haven't had to pay a price for the negative environmental impact of their products. Now, 68% of Americans favor a revenue neutral carbon tax. I support a carbon fee and dividend solution where a fee or tax is placed on carbon and then returned back to the people. This is the quickest way to decrease carbon production. I have hopes for technological solutions to climate change. Hey, we now know that adding seaweed to the diet of beef cattle can dramatically reduce the amount of methane they produce. Let's do it. The first of the two most impressive technological efforts I know about are to capture carbon in the air and then permanently turn it into rock below ground. This is only possible in certain areas though, and best estimates are that it could trap 10% of the carbon we are currently creating each year. It's not enough. For me, the ultimate solution is nuclear fusion. Our current nuclear energy generating process is fission, where unstable nucleus of uranium or petroleum is split, releasing energy, but also a radioactive byproduct. Fusion is how the sun produces energy. With fusion, two hydrogen atoms are fused together to create a helium atom. This produces huge amounts of energy and helium, which is a non-toxic gas. Fusion requires extremely high pressure and temperatures to achieve and progress has been slow going. The trick is to generate more energy than the process itself uses. Various countries are working on fusion now and I am hopeful that it can be a solution at some point in the future. So although climate change is the most important issue for me and it's getting worse, humans have the ability to slow up global warming and keep it to the Paris Climate Agreement goal of less than two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels if we really want to. At the present, that means reducing our dependence on fossil fuels that release carbon into the air. So that's what I have to say on climate change. <laughs> and so now it's your turn to tell me what you think about the issue of climate change.
1: Well, first of all, I do want to say uh, you
0: had you mentioned nuclear fission. Did I hear that right? F- so I f- f- So there's fission and fusion. Fission is what we currently have. Well, how we use oh, okay. nuclear energy. Fusion is how the sun produces energy, which is I'd a process of yes, yeah, slamming atoms together so that they fuse together, rather than fission, which is separating the atom. So,
1: okay, uh, that that's a that's pretty neat. And and also you know the seaweed and the cattle diet. That's that was actually a really interesting. Uh, I, those those are things I've I don't know I had never heard and that, that, that that I thought that was really cool and uh, nuclear fission um or excuse me fusion, um, you know when w- when it comes to climate change you know I feel I feel very differently um, just primary I guess part of my feelings comes down or it comes down to what I have observed politically and that is, uh, the change in stance about what is happening in the climate and the use of political power, um, to it well, I see it as a power grab it, um you know in the past it was global cooling then it became global warm uh, global warming and now it's it's climate change uh when i think the right thing to do is is to admit that you know based on historical data of the of the uh of the world is that climate does change over time um, but i don't deny that human beings definitely play a role in uh in how the climate is impacted um both in the atmosphere and also on the ground you know like whether you def- uh, deforestation i remember i used to be uh in archaeology major i remember learning about a i can't remember the country but it's out in the in the east um where they they you know they did a dig and they discovered that it used to be a huge lush forest and then then they made wood like their primary industry and they literally deforested the entire uh uh island pretty much and they you know obviously their economy tanked but then they their whole island changed in the way it functioned and, and their whole civilization there basically just demolished it just disappeared um so we definitely have an influence on on our own environment and uh from what from what i have learned you know about uh climate change because because there's so much politics behind it i i hesitate to 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 agree with any idea that we should tax people more for any for any sort of reason i think education so long as it is outside of uh, political ideology uh, education that is honest and true uh, such as the historical use of of the adjustments in climate to to create alarmism and also facts like uh that even if we were to completely get rid of all fossil based uh fuels uh and basically send everyone back to an ice age because we, we all depend heavily on them. We're not in a situation to pull away from it. We would only impact the, the temperature of the globe by a very, very small fraction. It, it would be minuscule uh, and, and not worth it compared to the cost it would take upon humanity. Um, I think, though, that, that there are solutions out there that can be better because no one likes pollution. No one's no one's in favor of having more pollution. I live in Utah County where we have the worst air all the time because all the forest fires in the area f- uh, funnel from all the other west- other Western states into my area. Uh, we've had really horrible uh, air outside, and I can't even hardly breathe because I, I have asthma. Um, and and I think that nuclear nuclear fission is still a really good um, alternative. I know a bit about it just from my brother-in-law being a nuclear physicist and working at uh, nuclear pl- plants. But I think uh, so nuclear fission, I think is great nuclear fusion. I would love to learn more about. Um, but I think that what we should do is we should keep the politics out of it and allow people to be um, industrial and, or industrious and uh, what's the word for like entrepreneurial and finding ways to, to uh, change the way we, we handle energy without, impacting uh you know with, without trying to wield political power to do so i think we have better power and influence rather than trying to say that we know this is the way when like because politics is always about saying we know this is the way and rather just step away and allow science to say we don't know everything but let's act on what we do now
0: okay thank you um alex so now we have our back and forth and sure. so i we certainly agree the climate does change over time. That's certainly a scientific fact. Um, and I want to um, acknowledge the that you've got bad air in your area, and uh, sorry, I'm very sorry about that. That's not a problem that I have experienced on the East Coast, but I realize that in the the, <clears throat> the western area of the United States, it's a it's a huge problem, um, especially during the summertime, um, especially with these these you know, 12 states now with, with 97 forest fighters. Uh, so I, I, I'm sorry that you're having trouble uh, and that you've got asthma. Um, so you call this a, you talk about the cost upon humanity if we were to get away from fossil fuels that so we depend on them. Uh, and nobody's saying that we're gonna shut down fossil fuels overnight. We couldn't possibly, we do depend on them. Uh, but we also know the cost that we're paying these externalities by being reliant upon them. So the the, the goal is eventually to have zero fossil fuel um, emissions, like carbon methane emissions from fossil fuels. But it's going to take quite a while to get there. Um, but there's huge costs upon humanity if we don't uh, do that. And we're, we're experiencing some of them right now. Uh, it's hard yeah, to I, deny
1: yeah. So am I am I, allowed, am I allowed to say anything here, or, or do yeah, I? Yeah. Yeah. No. You are. Yes. You okay. are. Please do. Uh, I'll just say I I disagree. I don't think the the cost on humanity is is uh, as extreme as is expressed. Um. It, and I guess the, the point of the if we were to get rid of fossil fuels, uh, the I guess it was not that like uh, if we were to get rid of it overnight, the impact it has on how the climate changes on its own without human uh, interaction, it. It's it's not enough to really offset uh, the the a lot of the impact that we are seeing across the globe that that happens as a natural occurrence without without human influence and so like if so I'm of the mind to like if if it really is that small of an impact then you know we it's very clear that the 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 Earth is going to change and I don't I don't believe it's it's as catastrophic as people believe I mean I recall learning archaeology that Canada used to have vineyards the Vikings when they came over uh and you know they were the first one of the first people to discover the new world and when they came over they actually had settlements where it was just full of vineyards and they couldn't and archaeologists couldn't understand it for a long time because they they didn't understand it was a vineyard they're like why is this all set up like a vineyard like it's way too cold here nothing could grow here nothing like that and then they discovered straight up this was a vineyard they they could Uh grow grapes oh the climate was completely different Mm-hmm. back in what was it like the the 1400s or, or whenever they had they had uh, come over 1300s or something mm-hmm. uh, so i feel like um the the uh cost upon humanity is is really not what people say it is it, i think it's quite quite small in, in terms of like what he, how we can prevent the earth from making the changes that it's going to make i guess that's what i should say is I don't think okay. we, we can actually prevent that much
0: melting of the ice, uh, et cetera. If we got rid of carbon. So I think there we've got a disagreement on facts. So I think offline later on, uh, it would be helpful if you could share me your facts and the source of where your facts are. And then I'll go ahead and share you my source of facts uh, because we have a disagreement there. And I think sure. it's important to, to see where we get our information because um my information would be that if we can, if, if, we, if we don't, I tell you what, I, I saw a map that just scared the bejesus out of me. And the map showed the planet Earth if we had uh, four degrees Celsius warming or higher. Did I tell you about this last time? I, I talked no, about this no. to various people. Um, okay, yeah. Anyway, it showed that if that happened in the United States, what you'd be able to do is it'd be a great place to have big farms of solar collectors and that's it people couldn't really live much in the united states where people would have to live would be the the tip of the uh, southern argentina northern canada and northern russia that's where you could grow crops but if it increased up to 4 degrees celsius the the planet would be really inhospitable to Humans in much of much of the location, um, so that's I saw that when I lived in Japan at a science museum, and it just oh my god, that really scared me. um So that's, and I can what I'll do, Alex, is I will find that map and I'll share it with you so that you can see it. Okay. Sure, that'd, that'd be great. Yeah, with Alex. Okay, I'm writing notes to myself because if I don't mm-hmm. write a note, I'm going to forget it entirely. I should write notes. <laughs> um, What would change if carbon of atmosphere? Okay. Very good. So so what I've heard is we do agree that climate does change uh, and there's plenty plenty of historical evidence for that. Um, We seem to disagree. Uh, You call it... um, climate alarmism, and I call it, uh, I guess, um, uh, straight-eyed realism um, regarding what's happening with climate change. So we do, we disagree there. And there you have it. It's, For sure. it's cool <laughs> to disagree. That's what we do. Okay?
1: Awesome. So um, uh, this would be the part where we go on to topic two, is that correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, the second topic here um, was uh, that I wanted to discuss, and I get the start is uh, COVID nineteen. Um, okay. So my thoughts and feelings on COVID nineteen uh, is that number one, it is most definitely a, a real uh, pandemic. It is it is a real illness. Um, but secondly, it is it is also unfortunately a political pandemic um, in the in the sense that. Uh, the the actual um, illness itself is not as deadly as purported, and it's not as deadly as um, as many other diseases which have been eradicated in the past. Uh, the The impact, like like we know very clearly as to what what individuals are primarily impacted by it in, in terms of mortality, uh, meaning those who are uh, what we call what is it the um, uh, the most vulnerable, you know, those, those who have uh, pre-existing health conditions, they are mm-hmm. primarily those who, who die. And generally speaking, if you're healthier um, or even if you're young and if you're young, you tend to be healthier. You don't, you don't tend to die from it. You have to, you almost always end up having a pre-existing condition uh, in which it is most negatively, in, negatively impacting you. Um, and it's not as far as, you know, studies show it's not actually deadlier than the flu. Uh, and, but the way it's also been recorded is, very unique because in the past whenever we uh, record uh, things such as like flu deaths and stuff we don't test everyone in fact we don't test as many deaths that are recorded because the way it has it is recorded uh, historically by medical associations is that they go with whatever um, illness is the most prevalently known in the area and then if there are symptoms similar to it then they will attribute uh, that illness to for example, the flu that, that, that typically ends up being the one. So someone dies from pneumonia, may not necessarily have been caused by the flu, but they'll just say it was the flu. And uh, and what you so when measurement is done like that, and then COVID comes along, that's going to be the next you know prevalent most prevalent thing, which is why you see uh, from twenty twenty to or sorry from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty there was sixty four thousand deaths. Uh, that's October to March sixty four thousand deaths attributed to the flu. Uh, and then from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one, there were uh, six hundred deaths attributed to the flu. And I also find it uh, a bit upsetting when you have uh, you throw in the opportunity for a uh, a financial reason to claim COVID when there's no need for COVID. When you have hospitals who will receive more government money if they can say that the more cases are 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 COVID than actually are. Um, and, and the other side is you know like if if we, if we care, if we really care about people, then, you know, allow, allow people to, you know, honestly, like with all the lockdowns, I think the best thing we could have done is shelter those who are most vulnerable, but allow everyone else to live their life. Those who are not in, you know, not even remotely in danger of dying from it. Um, and, and, that that would be a greater act of love than shutting everything down and and basically in my mind oppressing all people uh, revoking their rights for something that is very comparable to to the flu. And and, you know, I find it interesting that in twenty I believe it was twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen there were uh, according to the C D C they even said there were eighty thousand deaths to the flu uh, from the flu that year or for that season and they were wondering why people weren't as alarmed about it, etc. But there's no news about it. And probably because it wasn't politically expedient. Um, and it's also upsetting when you see like the I am not good with names, but when the Fauci letters had come out showing that someone high in his organization was emailing him and saying, I'm very alarmed. I've been to the store. I'm seeing everyone wearing masks like young people should not be wearing masks. I feel like the media is making you know, this into something that it's not. Clearly, there is misinformation and alarmism around this as well. And uh, and given the mortality rates, I don't I don't believe this to to warrant a restriction upon people's rights, nor nor the requirement of, of a vaccine from everyone, uh, given given the nature of the disease and the
0: deadliness of the disease. Okay. Um, let's see. I don't. I can't find a, a good, good place to agree with you on what you've said. So.
1: That's that's totally fine. Go ahead and share. Go ahead and share what
0: uh, your thoughts and. You yeah. Know, well, I mean, just just like the hour before we came on, I was reading. Um, And a mother of four who was 42 years old just died of COVID in Galveston, Texas. And she died two weeks after her husband died of COVID. And on her deathbed, she asked her family to make sure that her four children got vaccinated. These four children are are orphans now. Their mom was 42 years old. My heart goes out to them. Uh, This is a... I think the Delta variant has been a game changer. It is two to three times more uh, contagious than the original variant uh, of uh, of COVID-19. What Pope Francis said is getting the vaccines that are authorized by the respective authorities is an act of love. And helping the majority of people to do so is an act of love. Getting vaccinated is, they say, simple yet profound way to care for one another, especially the most vulnerable. So I think we can agree that we certainly need to uh, especially take care of the most vulnerable, the people in nursing homes. Uh, you know, and, and now they're talking about a booster and they're going to boost the people in nursing homes, the elderly first. I think that's that's good. Um, maybe you can agree on that. Now, President Biden just well, said something- I 100%
1: that- agree on, on elderly people and anyone vulnerable getting it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who wants to get it, I I agree with them getting it.
0: Well, so how do you feel about this? So President Biden, I just say the name and you're probably going to go, I'm going to disagree because Biden said it. Maybe. I'm sorry. Maybe that's not true. I I, I apologize (laughs) um, because I was stereotyping you. So I apologize. Uh, Anyway, he just said he's going to mandate um, vaccinations for employees in nursing homes. How do you feel about that?
1: Uh. You know, I, I have a bit mixed feelings behind that because, you know, I think it's important that people make the right choice for their own health. I think employers have the right to decide that for themselves. I don't believe the government needs to dictate whether or not a uh, nursing home uh, need to, you know, whether or not you should be uh, vaccinated to work in a nursing home. I think the government can stay out of that. And, and any person in the right mind who runs a nursing home can make that decision themselves. Uh, my, my own grandmother got COVID in a nursing home. And it weakened her immune system and she, and she died technically not of COVID, but, but you know, another illness came right after and just took her out really fast. All right, So I think, yeah, I think, I think the smartest thing to do is allow people to use their own common sense. Cause once you start dictating from the top, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of, a lot, lack of room of, uh, uh, of good things that can take place. I feel like, I feel like it becomes a hammer rather than allow, allowing people to do what they know to be right.
0: Yeah. So my mom is not in a nursing home. She's 92 years old. She lives in independent living. I'm going to see her, uh, tomorrow, looking forward to that. And, uh, so her, I don't know what the case is at right now, but last time I visited her, her cleaning lady who comes in every two weeks, her cleaning lady had not been vaccinated and that really bothered me, but my mom's vaccinated. So that's cool. Now, if we find out that, uh, I mean, hopefully she'll get the booster when she needs to get it, but it, uh, it troubles me that this cleaning lady is putting not only herself at risk, but uh, people uh, in the, the independent living center at risk too. So then you say, well, if that living center does not mandate vaccinations for employees, and it sounds like you're saying that they have the right to do that, but not the government, but if they don't, does that mean um, I should move my mom from that independent living center because she's otherwise quite happy there. To move her at the age of 92 would be really difficult. Um, so I would I would actually much rather prefer that there be a mandate for vaccinations than that I've got to move my mother from the place where she's happy.
1: Um, yeah, and, and and I and I totally get you know not wanting to move anyone who, who is of that age and, and enjoying where they're at. Um, but I I believe that in in the sake of ensuring that government maintains it's the place where it ought to be um, and we don't use it out of the, out of the convenience of not wanting to move a loved one that we you know the, if that needs to be the step you take then that needs to be the step that you take because that also shows the people who run such a such a facility that you know you, you're not going to take that uh you know you're you, you don't you don't appreciate that they're not uh, that in your that you feel they don't take her uh her safety serious enough i feel like that's mm-hmm. a much better a much better alternative um than, than rather than giving government more power to dictate uh business mm-hmm.
0: well so now i'm going to raise some situations and i mean you probably knew this is coming where government oh, does do. have that, do. does have that responsibility so the government for example says we can't smoke in cigarettes Uh, I'm sorry, we can't smoke cigarettes in restaurants and on airplanes because secondhand smoke harms others. So the government tells us that and the government requires us to wear seatbelts and place kids in car seats. But now when we don't and we only hurt ourselves and those in the car, we're not hurting other people, but the requirement stands anyway. And I remember when I was young, you're younger than I am, but when I was young, the big deal was motorcycle helmet laws, Um, I mean, that's like the epitome of personal responsibility and freedom, I do. You know, if, I, if I don't want to wear a helmet, I shouldn't have to wear a helmet. Uh, and yet those laws did come into place for most states. They do mandate now uh, the, the helmet um, for most motorcyclists. Now, why there are many reasons, but here's the one I want to emphasize, is think of the poor emergency medical technician and think of the poor hospital workers who have to deal with people who've smashed their heads in um, because they didn't wear a motorcycle helmet, Uh, talking about COVID, think of the poor, exhausted um, hospital workers now who they don't even have a lot of places. They filled up their ICUs. They don't have room anymore for their ICUs. Now what that means is say my, a, a relative of mine had a heart attack and needed to go to the hospital and the hospital didn't have any room in the ICU. I don't like that. I think that's a that's that's a terrible situation. And what they're saying, the nurses and doctors in these ICUs in the south, they're saying the reason that this is happening is this is an epidemic of the unvaccinated. Uh it's uh, the people almost almost entirely not entirely but most people who are coming in with COVID have not been vaccinated. Those who have been vaccinated, you might get a breakthrough case which is scary enough, but it won't Um, It's not, it doesn't tend to put you in the hospital or kill you, whereas those who are not vaccinated, that's the case, as well as uh, teachers and kids in school now, we're going back to school, and there's, of course, a big debate over should these kids have mask mandates, and uh, it may be your right not to have your kids wear a mask in the school, uh, but what about the rights of the other kids around them? And what about the rights of the teachers who have to teach them? So I guess what I would say is if you don't want your kid to wear a mask, then find a private school where it doesn't matter to them if your kid wears a mask or not. Uh, but or in you public can homeschool. Schools, or you can homeschool. That's right. Absolutely. You can homeschool. Sure. But I think that um, some of these, the, the uh, and it should be at the local level at this point, the schools deciding what's best for their school district. Uh, and so this is kind of a reversal of fortune, right, because usually conservatives say, yes, we should do things, make these decisions at the localist level that we can. And now uh, in states like Florida and Texas, are saying they're saying, no, no school district can decide that. We're going to just tell you you can't have a mask mandate. So I'm, I'm thinking of not only you and your family, if you don't want to get vaccinated, hey, your decision, your life, your kids' lives but I'm thinking about your relatives that are going to have to, they're going to have to pay for the funeral arrangements. I'm, and and most importantly, I support the uh, hospital workers who are exhausted. And there's there's one doctor who's so mad now. This is just in the news too. He's put a sign on his door in, in his doctor's office. If you're not vaccinated, I cannot treat you for COVID. I mean, that sounds harsh. No No doctor is supposed to take that point of view, but he's just so um upset that all these people that he said please get the COVID shot and they didn't and now they're getting sick he's just so upset that he's gone to that extreme which i think is an extreme that i'm not going to treat you if you didn't get vaccinated now obviously most doctors will hopefully yes they'll they'll treat you but that shows you kind of the state of mind for some of our medical profession
1: Sure, and and I and I hear from medical uh, professionals who feel differently. Uh, there's a lot to to unpack there. Um, I I kind of I kind of find it ironic that his son would say, if you if you have not been vaccinated, I cannot treat you for COVID, whereas he's okay for treating someone who gets COVID a second time or the Delta variant when they were already vaccinated. Um, the the point being is, you know that. Those who those who want a vaccination should get one, and especially those who are most vulnerable have a have a greater need to do so. Um, And then the majority of the population, you know, they 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 have seen that a natural immunity caused by you know, I guess you want to call it herd immunity or whatever, but people who get it naturally and get ill have a greater resistance to the Delta variant. A lot of the cases of the Delta variant coming out uh, are can be you know it spreads like wildfire, like you said, and People who have uh, the, the COVID nineteen vaccine, they they don't tend to fare as well as those who have natural immunity. And uh, in terms of like you know personal safety, personal health, you know I I think the the whole point of, of the of the vaccine for something that is not uh, not that deadly, you know like like not it's not the bubonic plague or anything. Uh, I think it's important like if kids want to go to school without a mask on. And then maybe the teacher is scared of it, then obviously the teacher should should become vaccinated because the whole point of the vaccine is to ensure that they don't get ill again. Uh, and it seems like there's a preference for it being okay to pass illness on to other people if you're all if you're all vaccinated and you still pass it to each other and you still get the thing you were you were vaccinated for. But there's a distaste for anyone who may pass you uh the illness uh when they were not vaccinated and you were vaccinated. In both scenarios, you get the you get the you get the illness, but you dislike the person who gave it to you who was not vaccinated, but you don't necessarily dislike the person who gave it to you who was vaccinated. Uh, in in terms of like treating people who you know who, who could die, as I said before, this is a very political pandemic, and what I mean by that is you have, uh, you have sources of um, remedies that can help treat COVID early on and get rid of it really swiftly, that became outlawed. That there were over-the-counter medicines that you could get for a long time, uh, hydroxychloroquine being one of them, and that so, that suddenly that is that is not allowed. You can't use that anymore. They they get they ban it when it's been used all over the world, including in Africa. They, uh, many countries take it every Sunday because it also wards off, uh, I believe, like, uh, bacteria um, and other bugs. But they they get rid of remedies that people can use to help ward this off you know, in the early stages. and And the only question I have is why. Why? Why do we have to make this political? Why? Why, why do we restrict on you know on things that uh, that could work? And even doctors, such as those doctors uh, out in California, you know, they 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 felt strongly about seeing. You know, there are ways we can treat this. There were a number of doctors who even flew to the Capitol and uh, discussed their their concerns about the politicization politicization of the treatment of this of uh, this illness. Um, so, you know, I, it, in my mind is. Given the nature of the illness, if you want the vaccine, you should definitely get it. And I, th- I find it actually very abusive to children who are in the basically one of the safest categories unless they have a pre-existing condition. Uh, they, they are in one of the safest categories. And I find it abusive to them to say, no, you need to wear a mask. And also you will be mistreated if, uh, if you don't want to do so. Um, and we saw something like that in Utah just last night, right up the road from where I live. Where a teacher came out and told the students that they said she said she said that she thought they were they were dumb and they're part of the problem if they don't want to wear a mask or, or etc and you know th- this is much more of a political issue rather than it is a medical issue and even the way the cdc has gone about it has been political um uh, you know i'd rather i'd rather we just you know, we say you know enable people to get the help that they need and allow people to to live their lives and and even allow nature to take its course you know when you have this many people who, are, who have already had COVID, asymptomatic and symptomatic, because you can't stop, you can't contain the spread, the spread happens. It, you can't stop pandemics the way that, especially this one, spreads so well. So many people have already ha- had it, some who know, you know, who never knew if they had it or not, because they're asymptomatic or not. I think the best thing we can do is leverage that opportunity to say, hey, we're actually in a better position than, than where we were before. And, and use that for, for future ideas on how we handle the Delta variant rather than continue to act like, um, it is something that it is not, or at least, or at least treat people, um, in, in a very hostile way.
0: hmm Um, so we agreed that it shouldn't be political. Um, I don't think poli, the polio vaccine was political. I think people were, it was a godsend back in the 1950s when, it, when it came on and people pretty happily got the, the polio vaccine, um, but we agree it shouldn't be political. Let's see. I think um, I think I think again we need to exchange some some factual material. So I I would sure. like to hear your see your material on hydroxychloroquine and how it has been help how it is helpful to fighting COVID because uh, my information says that it is not helpful to fighting COVID. So let's exchange that information and then you compare. Covid to the flu, and uh, I, I, I think that that is also. It, I guess it depends on what elements of the flu you're comparing it to. So if you could get me some information on how it's like the flu, and I'll I can get you information on how it's worse than the flu, then that'd be good as well. Um, perhaps, I do. Uh,
1: perhaps it's 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 more not symptomatically it's like the flu, but in terms of uh, the the. De- how, how many, the mortality rate behind it, they are, they are similar numbers. Does that make sense? I, I don't believe uh, symptomatically is necessarily like the flu.
0: Mortality rate is similar. Okay. I'm going to check that out because that doesn't, that sounds very odd to me, but I will certainly check it out because uh, I think it's really important for us to have factual information. And then the other thing that I heard, and I'm going to check it out, is that uh, you, um, people who have had the original strand of COVID and they're, they're getting Delta. Uh, And so they thought that they were going to be immune because they had COVID already and they had the antibodies for COVID. And 100%
1: they're still getting Delta for sure.
0: (laughs) They're what?
1: Oh yeah. 100% people, people who have, uh, who had gotten COVID are still going to get the Delta variant. Uh, It's the severity uh, of the reaction. Like how well does their body handle it?
0: Okay. So, so really you're talking about the severity of the reaction as opposed to whether or not they get it. Okay. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause some people, I mean, obviously some people who got the vaccine or who got the COVID naturally may not react to it, but regardless, we're going to see people get the Delta variant because of how just it, it is a new variant.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay. So we, uh, again, and this is kind of a, the part that is kind of standard liberal conservative, it tends to be that liberals uh, see a greater role to be played by the government, and um, you see less of a role and more for um, individual rights and individual liberties. Uh, so again, uh, and I, I, I'm fine in terms of um, less government when we can have less government. So in in my view, this is a this is a point where we need more government. Um, and more, you know, once when the science is behind it, the science has to, has to be in front, right? So, uh, you know, some, see, some people say with uh, early on, Fauci said, no, you don't need to wear masks. Well, but then science came up and, and said, yes, you do need to wear masks. And so he changed his advice the, with the way that the COVID is changing so frequently, um, then the advice of science needs to change as we get in more data. But I just I feel a whole lot safer and better following the science and uh, then following um, certain beliefs or feelings. Sure,
1: and I and I and my contention is that a lot of what people believe to be science behind the illness is not science. It is it is politicized, and we've seen the CDC flip flop like crazy on masks because there you know there there is in fact masks that do a good job. And then there are masks that don't do a good job. And basically everyone wears the mask that actually do, that does not do the job when it comes to this sort of an illness. Um, you know, you, you, the flip-flopping on on what facts are or what recommendations are on a type of virus that is not, it's new, but it's—but there are tons of uh, strands of, of COVID, uh, COVIDs out there. So it has the same behavior. It wouldn't be COVID, it'd have a completely different name. And so how COVID reacts and how you prevent it from spreading or, or wearing masks, etc. That's all known. It does not act different uh, in that case. So to, to believe that, Oh, there's new science behind, uh, behind the mask that, that magically came out and then it didn't come out, but then it did come out. Uh, seems very disingenuous to, 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 you know, to, 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 uh, to behave in that way when really, you know, yeah, I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of science behind how COVID behaves over the years.
0: Yeah. I used to live in Japan, by the way, and long before COVID, and you'd see people wearing masks uh, when and they wore masks as a courtesy to other people on subways and and other places. If they were sick, they would wear a mask so as not to get other people sick. And really, if if, not that it's going to happen, but, you know, uh, if we wore masks when we had the flu, that would really limit. Uh, the spread of the flu, let alone, of course, COVID. But I have to tell you, I am, there's a reason I'm biased in favor of masks. And that's because when this whole thing first hit, and I felt kind of helpless, and I didn't know what I could do. I sewed masks for people. So I actually, so nice. I sewed 375 masks, and I gave them all away first to, to friends and families, and then to you know, That's very kind of you. Other places that needed it. So it, I mean, it's just a little thing, but it made me, it gave me a feeling of, oh, I can do something about this. Um, so I still and use. I, I love to so hear experience.
1: that. I love, I love to hear that. You know, that, to hear that experience. You know, and I think that, um, regard regardless of feelings or science behind it, just the fact that we that that you know you could do something like that for someone, you know, service is you know is a really good feeling to, to pass along. Um, had another thought to share and, um, something positive here, but you know, it escapes me <laughs> oh. at the moment. Oh, oh, sorry. It was just that, um, that I think, uh, I think really our conversation comes down to a little bit. uh, said in a different way. You said, you know, I either, you know, it's more government or less government. I think really what we're arguing here is, um, Given given the circumstances, and if you can take away that you know, if if you can take away the politics, does it warrant the violation of a human freedom and rights, or 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 does it not? Right, uh, mm-hmm. where where do where does someone's right to live and and you know the right the, the right to worship as well, etc. Where does that stop and COVID begin, or or mm-hmm. is there is there a, a balance that we have not yet struck up very uh, very well, because uh, my concern is. You see free nations such as Australia become very uh, draconian um, over this thing where they are enforcing lockdowns. You can't come out of your home. They knock doors to make sure people are home. They have helicopters flying over people to ensure they stay inside. You know, that's mm-hmm. any any free nation, any good nation can still go that direction because, like I said, it becomes a, a political opportunity to, to, take, to take more power. And for what reason? Uh, I think there, that, that could be a totally different debate, but that's, you know, that's the tendency of humankind, you know, is that, is that, uh, the cycle that they used to teach about in schools, the cycle of tyranny. And I think mm. opportunities provide, uh, mm. those situations.
0: Mm. Okay. All right. Um, I can't, I just can't resist this one, but we're, we're going to need to move on, but you talk about tyranny and, uh, uh a lot of people were very afraid that that Donald Trump was um, going to uh, to be a, become a tyrant, an authoritarian, um, by claiming that the elections were fraudulent and that he really deserved to stay in power. And uh, you know, not the the will of the people through the elections didn't count because it was fraudulent, even though there wasn't strong evidence of any fraud. So, uh, as a Democrat, that's a tyranny that I fear. Okay, so that's, I guess that's one hundred percent of it.
1: Uh, I think I think I think you should. Uh, I agree. That's that's something you should fear. I think everyone should fear th- uh, that sort of tyranny, as well as the the tyranny that comes from altruism. Uh, you know, okay. CS Lewis has a great quote on that where he says, "You know, the, the do-gooders, uh, they may think you know, basically he, okay. to paraphrase, because I'm going to butcher his quote. You know, they they may think uh, they are doing good for other people by you know by and they're actually harming them. And maybe they'll get to heaven, but they will make a hell on earth in the meantime. And that's what I well, fear is, is the tyranny.
0: I see. Oh, I love C.S. Lewis. So thank you very much for for quoting him. I hadn't heard that quote before. That's cool. Okay. So part three is hopes for country. Okay. So each of us answer the question, what are your hopes and aspirations for our country? Three minutes each. And it says, focus on the positives you hope for rather than negatives that you hope that we avoid.
1: Can I, can I go first? Please do. I feel like, Donna, you are one of the hopes for, for, for the country. Uh, t- talking with you, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation and that you, I, I'm not going to lie, I've seen you kind of squirm and uh, you know, maybe you maybe be a little bit squeamish with some of my points of views because it's very clear that you, you disagree very strongly on some of the things I said, but you still allowed me to talk. And that meant a lot to me. And I hope that you felt that I felt at least uh, some appreciation that, you know, I also wanted to let you talk. I wanted to hear you. And I generally wanted to hear you. I don't I want to just sit here and, and just be like, well, it's my part. I just have to listen. Like I, I actually wanted to hear someone else's uh, point of view. Um, so I feel like people like you are the, are the hope for our nation that you can have very different viewpoints, but yet you're still like, I want to talk with other people. I want to hear the points of view. Um, I want to communicate rather than divide. Just like uh, those hat signs, uh, that's that's how we come together right the, the differences are not irreconcilable I, mm. I believe they are very reconcilable and you are living proof of that and what you do with Braver Angels is living proof of that so that like having gone through this experience has made me so stoked because I'm like this is awesome and and Donna you're such a trooper to me I I, I really admire you uh, uh, and what you're doing
0: well flattery will get you everywhere Alex thank you <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is to me, so my hope for the country uh, and the reason I'm involved in the Braver Angels uh, is, is to have conversations with people I disagree with because I didn't have the opportunity before and I didn't, under- I really didn't understand. I didn't understand. And so uh, through Braver Angels, it's given me a much better understanding of where people that I disagree with are coming from and a respect. Um, For people that I disagree with, there are reasons, of course, there are reasons for why they believe what they do. I have different reasons for why I believe what I do, uh, but I respect your viewpoint and your reasons. And if we can just respect each other and compromise, I know that's a dirty word these days, but compromise is what we used to do in order to get government moving forward. Uh, So I think that, that we need to be able to compromise once again. Uh, in our, our, in politics on that. Uh, so my hope is that we can come together as a country, right? That there are, that we can find the things that about our country that enables us to to unify, um, that they, we do have shared values. Um, we do have a shared love of America. Yes, we criticize it, we criticize each other, but I hope that we find that what brings us together is stronger than what pulls us apart and that we can take joy from each other and from being Americans together.
1: Um, No worries. And, and let me just say uh, that I, I have really appreciated, um, I've really appreciated all that you, that you, you have done being here and, and, Oh, there was some one in particular thing I wanted to say. You, you made me think of it, and I'm like, I'm trying to recall what it was again. Um, I believe, uh, what was it again? Uh, now, now I'm totally drawing a blank. It just made me really excited to hear that. Oh, you talk about you know compromise, listening to one another. Let me just say to you that, um, one of the best things I learned from from these two conversations is hearing the experiences. And subsequently the emotions that come with those experiences behind your thinking. because I know mine. I know my own emotions and th- and experiences behind it. I didn't know yours, and so I I like I loved hearing that. I loved hearing about your your mother who's in her 90s you know in, in the nursing home, uh, sewing masks with people. like those are beautiful things to me and I and I really I really cherish that you're willing to share those experiences and and those feelings with me. And I respect that. I think that I think that's wonderful. And I think there's a lot more I, I could hear from from someone like you, or even someone on your side of the aisle, because uh, that's that's that allows me to connect with you.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I, I tell you what, some of the best parts of these conversations for me is what you learn about the other person on a personal level. You know, I learned about you moving, and people can't see, but you've got. Boxes uh, in your background because you're moving. Because and then I, I was very happy for you that you just closed on your house. You told me a bit about your children, and I, I love that. I, I just love to get to know people better and what the, the details about them that really humanizes them that enables me to develop a relationship with people outside of our political views. Uh, just what's going on in your life and. I hope, Alex, that we can continue this relationship afterwards. People say, uh, most importantly, I want to know about your new place. I want to know about your wife and kids. If you have any pets, I'd love to hear about them Uh, to get to to get to know you better. Uh, I think that would be wonderful. And and another thing people say after these two structured conversations, they say, well, but there's still more I want to talk about. And we say, fine. Because you've done these two conversations, you've kind of um, been able to uh, speak in a respectful manner to each other. You kind of, that's kind of the ground rules, right? No yelling and screaming and respect and listen. You've done that for two conversations. so go ahead and have more conversations. talk about whatever you want to, whatever other political um, issues that you want to talk about or what's going on. You know, like for example, uh, if something happens, and I don't understand the conservative point of view on what just happened. I can call you up and, and say, Alex, can you please explain this to me uh, as a as a constitutionalist, right? Um, can you explain this point of view to me because I don't get it? And that I hope you can do the same um, when when something happens in the news. You can just say, well, Gosh, what's a liberal? What would a liberal say about this? Uh, so that's that's something else that can come out of these conversations. It's just a relationship. Uh, and heck, next time I go out to Utah, wouldn't it be fun to visit you? Next time you come out to the D.C. area, you know, wouldn't it be fun to, to, to visit? Let's go to Williamsburg together, Alex. I would love that. I love That'd Williamsburg. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a hope for these conversations, that you have a relationship that you can continue over time.
1: Well, thank you so much, Donna. I I have loved our conversation and, and I have a great love and respect for you. And, and yeah, if I, if I come out to the DC area, ironically, we were just looking at flights the other day at going out to DC, checking it out. Um, I, I would definitely let you know, I'd love to see you in person. Um, thank you so much for the, for the time and effort you put into this conversation and into all the other conversations and other efforts that you do within Braver Angels. I appreciate it. Donna and, uh, and I hope that everyone listening, this is this is my little outro for everyone who listens to this. I hope you can really appreciate what you just uh, witnessed here or listened to here. It, the you know, we are two people, completely different areas of the country, and even very different uh, politically. We have common ground, and and even there were times when we were like, "I'm not finding really any common ground here." It didn't it didn't make Don and I go out of each other's throats nor did we want to sever our relationship in fact our relationship is stronger as a result so i think if we can use some emotional intelligence or some eq and can you know contain ourselves you can't necessarily get every friend you speak to to have a conversation quite like this but if you can allow yourself to be settled you can do more listening and in turn maybe they'll listen to you kind of like uh, Stephen R. Covey said, you know, first seek to listen and then wow. and then, uh, then to speak. Or, or I, I always butcher that, but I always just remember the first part is you need to listen. Mm-hmm. So thank
0: you so much for being here, Donna. I
1: appreciate your time.
0: Yeah. Can I do a little ad here? So yes, if, please. Yeah. So our website is braverangels.org. And if you want to learn more about the one-to-one conversations, go to braverangels.org slash one hyphen one. I'll repeat that. Braverangels.org slash one hyphen one. Um, since a lot of your viewers, your, your listeners are conservative, what I would say is, please, please join us. Um, we're always looking for more conservatives to have one-to-one red-blue conversations. We got plenty of, of uh, liberals to pair you up with. They're not going to bite, I swear. They're actually kind of nice people. <laughs> <laughs> so please have a one-to-one conversation, a red-blue one. We have other types of conversations. We have rural-urban pairing a rural person or small-town person with an urban person. We pair different ages. It's called across generations. So we pair somebody under 30 with somebody over 60. And we have one called A uh, Conversation About Race, Ethnicity, and uh, Culture, where we pair basically a white person with somebody who is of a different race, ethnicity, or culture. Uh, so please learn more about our one-to-one conversations at braverangels.org one hyphen one.
1: Awesome, everyone. I really hope you go and do that. And I, this is actually revelation to me to hear that you have conversations paired like that. You know, like age base, uh, rural and urban, and uh, uh, the 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 race side. Oh, that's that's actually really exciting to hear. Um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll let you go, Donna. I really appreciate your time. And for those of you listening, uh, please get on the website once again, braverangels.org forward slash one hyphen one. And uh, don't forget to stay free until next time.